What's up, everyone, and welcome to Get Good. I'm Lindsay, also known as Dr. Hops, if you're finding me from Twitch. Today, we'll be talking about online toxicity. It might exist just a little bit, but why? If you're ready, let's hop to it. Before we dive into today's content, I want to take some time to field some questions I got about last episode, which was all about ergonomics and posture. The first question was, should you upgrade a computer or a computer chair first? I think it's best to modify all you can with what you have first before adding more things to your setup. I always tell people to modify from the feet upward, so taking a look at your foot contact with the floor, then knee positioning, hip positioning, lower back, you get the idea. See what you can figure out with your current setup and it'll basically point you in the direction of what you're needing, if you actually do need something. Also, like I mentioned before, if you're looking to upgrade to a gaming chair and are looking for the best one possible so it'll cure all your posture problems, that's pretty unrealistic. No gaming chair can accomplish that, and I'm always skeptical of those that claim they can. One-stop shops for things that are so dependent on body types and preferences are sus to me. (laughs) On that same note, the same goes for computer and monitor setups. Moral of the story here is to see how you can modify what you have and what you're already used to before bringing in new stuff. The next question was, for posture, if I have to put in a continuous effort to maintain correct, healthy posture, does it have something to do with my core strength? What a loaded question. (laughs) So even though it might not seem like it, there's a lot of things that go into maintaining healthy posture. Also, I think I mentioned this before, but correct posture doesn't actually exist. Everyone's version of correct posture is different because no two people are the same. There are people with terrible posture out there that have no pain at all. And there are people out there with great posture and crippling pain. I think that going for a more healthy posture is more realistic because it implies that it can be different yet still correct for everyone. Now, thinking about the causes of healthy versus unhealthy posture and what it has to do with strength, that's only part of it. Pain, discomfort, and effort are contributed to by a lot of factors, especially pain. Pain is one of those things that a lot of the times isn't as simple as A caused damage to B and now B hurts. There are a ton of factors that contribute to the way someone feels and the amount of effort it takes to do something like fatigue levels, core strength, upper back strength, the literal way you're sitting in a chair. Yes, I saw you try and sit up straighter. (laughs) Quality of eyesight and eye fatigue, just to name a few. So while maintaining a healthy posture does have something to do with core strength, that list of contributing factors doesn't just end there. 
Physical therapists are the type of people that can help you answer that question in more depth because we do extensive muscular testing and can really identify how much of an impact the musculoskeletal system is having on weakness, pain, and effort while performing a task. In my opinion, I think people should see PTs way more than they do. We don't just treat injuries when they happen. We can work with people to identify things that could potentially be problematic and help avoid them, which definitely includes pain from the effort needed to maintain good posture. There could be more to the story, but seeing a PT in person can help you get on the right track. So, on to today's shenanigans. This episode is from a question asked by a listener, and his question was, why do people feel so comfortable being toxic on the internet? Imagine, people being toxic on the internet. Doesn't happen hardly at all, right? Lol, sure. I'm pretty sure toxicity has existed on the internet as long as some smart, dumb person gave people the technology to talk to other people on it. We have evolved in society to the point where we can have full-on conversations and relationships with people without even leaving our homes or on the move via phones. For online communities, we can be best friends with people we've never met, never heard their voice, or seen their face. The technology is amazing, but the convenience it gives us isn't without consequences. Let's talk about them. This falls into the category of social wellness with a little bit of emotional wellness. So there are a few reasons why, from a human brain perspective, people feel like they can take on the world from the internet. Here, we're going to talk about a few psychological theories that have withstood the test of time and have lots of studies relating them to past and present behavior of humans. First, there's social cognitive theory which basically says that people learn toxic behaviors from social learning. This is pretty much seen within streaming communities, and we've seen a lot of them, right? There are just some types of games that people stream, some game modes of certain games that people stream. And I'm not naming names, but there are some types of games where the communities are just a toxic mess. When people engage in those types of games or game modes... They learn quickly that you have to keep up with that type of community behavior in order to keep up with the game. If you hang out there long enough, it starts to become normalized. And then that type of behavior comes out other places too. And hence, we end up with the lovely trolls that have given me a reason to have a troll counter on my stream. Then we have something else called the theory of planned behavior which basically says that someone's intentions of being toxic depend on the situation. So basically, if you're part of a community that's toxic and it's been normalized, like we just talked about with the social cognitive theory, then you know it's now apparently okay to be toxic when you're in that specific environment. It also applies to people who don't experience consequences for their actions. So if you're out there being toxic and nothing comes of it, then why wouldn't you think that it's okay to do? On that same note, this is also why people act toxic to others that are either new to the game or not usually part of that community. Best example in my world? 
female gamers. It triggers some people so badly that they try so hard to make women believe that they have no place in the gaming or streaming world. And if for some reason they're successful in either, they've got to have some advantage that men don't have. And the men that support these women? Immediately simp lords. There's like, there's no in between. And there's no way that these women can have organic success. Remember our conversation on rage quitting? It's the same idea here, just a different place. When someone is better than you at something, what's your first reaction? Well, I wasn't actually trying. Or they're just sitting there holding hands. There's no way I even had a chance when they're playing like that. Or imagine that aimbot. In this instance, yeah, you stream this game, but you're only successful because you're a female with a bunch of men in your chat. Yeah. Sounds familiar to me. It's definitely easier to deflect away from your own self-reflection. We've already established that. Again, this is why we have a troll counter on my stream. I'm not sure if the people we ban for coming in with that typical toxic energy towards a female streamer actually learn or not, but when their accounts get suspended for three days after they do it, I'd like to think that they have some time to think about what they did. Like, we actually just did this last night on my stream. Or they just go on some burner account and do it again. I don't know. But that's the deal with theory of planned behavior. People just out there thinking toxicity is normal and not being held accountable for their actions while trying to keep the mentality of the community the same and push others that think differently away like they're wrong for being different. Imagine trying to convince someone they're wrong for thinking differently or deviating from the norm. In 2021. Yikes. And finally, we have the online disinhibition effect, which is said to be the biggest reason behind online toxicity. This basically means that people feel, when they're online, that they're invincible and invisible. Online, no one knows who you really are. No one can see you. You can be anyone you want to be, even if it's totally different than IRL. No one knows if you're lying about saying you're actually an important person or if you're just putting on a front. Research has actually found that when anonymity was removed from social media sites, meaning people had to identify who they really are, it reduced the amount of trolling behavior on those sites. Because... Who wants to actually be a troll to someone that's important IRL? No one actually does that. But online, everyone seems like they're on the same playing field. I had a troll come into my chat once and ask me why I tell people I have a doctorate. Because, quote, everyone has one these days and it doesn't make me more important than anyone else. I found that the most effective way to call out a troll is to do one of two things. Either talk to them about what they're attempting to troll about, because that defeats the purpose, or just instaban, based on what they said. My response to that tryhard was to ask when I said my doctorate made me more important, and to ask him what his doctorate was in, so we can compare programs and dissertations. He never responded. Hmm. And for those of you who are wondering why I do actually talk about my doctorate so much, it's because I spent seven years of my life getting it. 
I mean, I'm still recovering my social life. And the fact that I had one in the first place is, eh, kind of debatable at this point. And to take it a step further, people usually post the best versions of themselves on social media. So things like retweets, likes, and all that stuff plays a role in our self-esteem. These types of things are unreliable self-esteem boosters, and the positive reinforcement isn't coming from a reliable source, such as someone a person knows or has communicated with outside the typical internet situation. This positive reinforcement from unknown sources does boost self-esteem, but it can actually have a negative impact on self-control because you're basically getting baseless reinforcement. Like, it pretty much means nothing because the like button really means nothing overall. It's just a flex. The result is a loss of ability to see the consequences of actions. It's almost like people forget that they post stuff online and it's not just going into some void. People forget that Clicking a like on a post doesn't exactly change anything. Everyone can see everything. But a more or less inflated self-esteem paired with a lack of self-control and an inability to see the person they're communicating with leads to some pretty sticky situations. This is how people end up getting called out on apps like TikTok for being online or IRL trolls and wonder why consequences happen. It's kind of like that theory of planned behavior we just talked about gets disrupted because these people are now getting held accountable for their actions, which I honestly think is a good thing. Now, since we're talking about the difference between virtual and IRL situations, it's not a secret that communicating with people virtually is different than communicating in person. Humans get about 50% of their messages from the person they're communicating with through nonverbal communication. So that means body language, facial expressions, eye contact, tone of voice, all of that stuff. When that part of communication gets taken away, we have to fill in the blanks ourselves. This comes into play because humans in general are very pessimistic in nature and tend to think negatively about things which usually makes people strive to find solutions and be more proactive in order to avoid bad stuff. Even people that are mostly optimistic and see the good in situations use that primitive mentality in order to avoid harm. So when we're online, people aren't sure about someone's intent. So it's really easy to default to that negativity and perceive a threat, which in this context is more of a threat to someone's abilities in game or someone's opinion of their abilities in-game. It's so easy to just go straight to, oh, they think I suck. Well, they suck too, and I'm going to tell them about it. <laughs> this is totally different if you can see the person that you're talking to. Like, imagine going up against your supervisor or your supervisor's supervisor in a game, and knowing it was them, and telling them that they're a noob. Yeah, let me know how that goes. <laughs> you get that immediate feedback from the person that either validates or contradicts what you're thinking. And if that feedback contradicts what you're thinking, you can pretty much immediately clarify and get more information. But only if you're talking to that person IRL. 
online, that immediate feedback is gone and we're left with our own biases and reactions that aren't based on the other person, but only on our own experiences, which can get messed up by a ton of things, as I'm pretty sure we all know. So while this is a driving force of online toxicity, social learning theory and the theory of planned behavior, those other two that we talked about, they play a big role in sustaining toxic cultures once they've been established. So that's basically why people lean towards toxicity on the internet. And if you're me, you're probably wondering at this point, okay, so I get that these things happen, but why do people just keep going back to it? Like it's obviously dysfunctional in a lot of ways. Research has shown that motivation for being toxic comes from three types of factors, attacking someone else, sensation seeking, and interaction seeking. I think they're pretty self-explanatory, but I, I still want to talk about them anyway. Most commonly in studies, people reported that they just want to attack someone else's enjoyment of the game, which is literally someone being a jerk for the sake of being a jerk. Imagine somebody just being a jerk just to be one. Sensation-seeking people focus on behaviors that lead to something good for the troll, with or without something good or bad for other players. And interaction-seeking focuses on literally just getting people to interact with them however possible. I feel like those kinds of people are the ones that most commonly come into my chat trying to rattle my cage. Now, uh, I also feel like it's important to point out that if you're out there being toxic and you're keeping it where it belongs, like in certain communities that welcome it, then that's actually okay. There are certain personality traits that make someone lean more towards those types of environments, but as long as you can keep it where it belongs, it can actually be a more healthy mechanism of stress relief. It's kind of like sports, in my opinion. Going around with a bat and whacking stuff doesn't work when you're outside of a baseball field, but as soon as you bring a bat onto a baseball field and start swinging it around, it's a little bit more normal and is definitely more healthy. But when it all starts to get to the point where you're trying to exclude others that don't feel the same as you, or you're trying to hurt someone for the sake of hurting them, or even just trying to get attention, it might be time to look at other factors in your life that might be contributing to trying to get those needs met in ways that aren't healthy or beneficial in the long run. So I'm going to be honest here, guys. Doing all this research on what makes a troll a troll has actually changed the way I see trolls. I mentioned this on stream the other day after we had two troll attempts, but now that I've done a little bit of reading up, rather than being aggravated at trolls when they arrive, and you know they will, I see that these are the kinds of people that just don't know how to meet their own needs. They need help figuring out what can keep them sane, just like the rest of us. They're out there on the internet trying to feed whatever appetite that's been cooked up for them, whether the source is IRL or virtual. Also, I've met quite a few trolls that have rolled through my community and ended up staying around, being as wholesome as can be because they simply wanted some non-judgmental people to accept them for who they are. I'm not saying that's always the case, but when the troll attempt isn't blatantly offensive, 
I now find myself trying to get to know them for an extra 30 seconds or so before thinking about the band hammer. In these types of situations, it isn't always black and white, meaning getting rattled versus insta-banning and getting aggravated. This can totally be extrapolated out to how we live life, too. Basically, putting ourselves in someone else's shoes. The idea gets a little convoluted when it's on the internet, though, which may or may not be the premise for this entire episode. Imagine that. So now, you're probably wondering, what kinds of more healthy things should I be focusing on if I have a tendency to be more toxic? Well, definitely take a look at where you're getting your sources of social interaction. Not just who you're talking to, but the quality of your communication. Having online friends is awesome, but putting a face to a screen name or an IRL name to a screen name can sometimes make all the difference. It reduces some of the opacity of the cloak that the internet provides, meaning you get a little bit more transparent to someone, and they get a little bit more transparent to you so your communication becomes more personal. Achieving more personal relationships with the people you care about helps to provide more reliable sources of information about the quality of your communication, which is super important. Speaking of reliable sources, it could be a good time to look at where you're getting your self-esteem boosts from and the quality of those sources. Not only that, but how are you achieving that? Do you get a boost from being good at the game or from showing someone else that you're better than them? Self-reflection is really important here too. Taking a look at your motivations for why you do what you do is really, really hard. But sometimes it's necessary to make sure you keep yourself and others around you healthy. Take a look at how you're communicating with others and ask yourself if you would behave similarly if you were face-to-face with someone. If the answer is no, there might be some disassociation going on. People that have more healthy and consistent feedback about their communication tend to reduce their toxicity online and IRL. Let's not forget about everything we talked about previously when it comes to rage quitting too. If your IRL life is a dumpster fire, it will definitely impact how you play your game and how you communicate with others. Misery loves company, right? You could find yourself being mean to others because you feel like others have been mean to you. Or you just want someone else to feel down the way that you do. We need to investigate the IRL causes of why you feel like that before even diving into what you're bringing into the gaming world. Having a well-rounded view of yourself and the worlds and communities you choose to engage in is key to making sure you stay healthy and others that communicate with you also stay healthy. So, that basically wraps it up for today. We went over a lot, so please, if you have a question or a comment about something we talked about in this episode, find me in chat on Twitch, or send me a DM on Twitch or Twitter, and it'll get answered in the next episode. Be sure to check out what I've got available to help you get ish done in your life on my website, thewellnessincentive.com. Tune in next episode for more tips and tricks to get good. Thanks for hopping by, and I'll see you next time.